In the Pocket, a talk show that showcases Mainers, who are people of color. Each episode represents a member of the Maine community from art, culture, and business, the earth, wind, and fire of life. Embracing and exploring the Black diaspora and descendants of American slavery through conversation is the foundational concept of In the Pocket. The overall mission of In the Pocket is to create conversational space for all people of color that is documented and celebrated through sharing of life experiences. If you like what you're hearing and want to hear it again, or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. Thank you for tuning in to In The Pocket. Uh, I'm your host, Flo Edwards, and our special guest today is Kenya Hall. She's been in the Portland music industry and music scene for well over 20 years. Pretty awesome. Uh, Please, Kenya, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Kenya Hall. Uh, Thank you again, Flo, for having me. I really appreciate being here. I am a mother. I'm a loving partner. I am a musician and artist. I am a cultivator of all things plant life. I am uh, a generational curse breaker. I am a mental health advocate. I um, am a future ancestor. I am incredibly grateful for everything in my life. And I am extremely confident that I can crush anyone in Marvel Universe trivia. Uh, well, you could definitely crush me. I am not good with trivia, so. No? Are you not into Marvel or just not trivia? Um, I like to know a little bit of everything, but I just don't know a lot about Marvel. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm all about it. Uh, uh, my partner and our son, we, we eat it all up. We're there. As soon as the movie comes out, we talk about it. We argue about it. We, um, you know what's going to happen to who and this and why are they doing this and who's the bad guy um we could talk for hours about it (laughs) well it's fun that it's like a family affair too yes yes that's kind of a nice thing that we all share in that yeah one of the things we share in for sure uh in your introduction you also said you're a curse breaker can you uh delve into that a little bit more sure um i feel like um so I'm a generational curse breaker, generational trauma breaker. Um, uh, what that is, um, is that, you know, I come from a long history of people who've had traumas and, um, you know, addictions and, and things that we've all run from and, and things that the thing is, is that if you don't learn from it and you're not healing and you're not growing and you're not teaching yourself what was wrong, you just keep passing it down to the next generation. And um, so many of us black and brown folk have dealt with this. Um, and it's not, it's never to the, to the fault of the parent it, because you, you, can only, you can only use the tools that you were given. Um, and that's in rearing children, that's in, um, in your life, in your job. You can only work with the tools you were given. And there's a lot of times going back generations 
they're just some tools that our parents weren't given. So they did the best they could with what they had. And I, I never, I, I can't fault my parents for that. Um, but there's a lot of things that they passed on that shouldn't have been passed on. Those, those traumas and those curses that just kind of kept our family um, not, not learning at the higher level, you know? Um, and I feel like, I feel like I am really proud to be someone in my lineage who has recognized that and I'm working on myself so that my son doesn't have to unpack this when he's 30 and 40 and 50, you know, like he gets to, I, I want him to start from a place of understanding, not a place of why did this have to happen this way? And I'm sure he will still have some, I'm not, I'm, I'm damn sure not perfect, you know, but like um, the things that I can recognize and acknowledge about myself, I want to be able to patch those things up so he doesn't have to carry that too. So I, I feel like those things that were passed down, I, I am, I'm a proud holder of that it stops here. Thank you for sharing that. You also talked about learning about yourself and unpacking things. Do you feel that you do that in your music? Does that help? Yes. Um, in more recent years, I, I did. And that, that kind of come, I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but like, uh, is it that I was unpacking things and it came out musically or musically I felt this is what I need to say. And then it hit me like, oh my God, that's unpacked, you know? So uh, some, sometimes I don't know which one starts, but it definitely made my music different. I think about when I first started playing live, um, the songs I wanted to sing or how embarrassed I was to sing my original songs. Because sometimes my original song would say something and I'd say, oh God, am I, am I really putting that out there? You know, here's this, here's this facade on stage and, uh, you know, let me let me sing the Sharon Jones song instead. You know, like, but she might have been saying the same thing that I wanted to say, but it didn't come from me. So, uh, you know, coming to tr to my own truths and and living in my own honesty uh, makes it easier to sing my own songs. So in later years, and I've always spoke about many of these things. I just didn't always say they were my words. That, you know, does that make sense? And uh, so the more comfortable I got with myself, the more comfortable I can be as an artist. And I think a lot of times that's um, that's where someone's artistry really goes to the next level anyway, is when you can be really honest with what you're saying. Um, everybody can sing about dancing or, you know, talk about dancing. Everybody can talk about driving a car, but like really sharing your own personal experiences and truths. It, you think they're just yours, but that's what helps you connect with other people because you're not the only one going through it by far. So you've been in the industry for a very long time. Um, and I mean that in a good way, of course. No, I'm I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm no spring chicken myself, so I get it. Um, can you talk a little bit about your journey and start to now? Yeah, um, I started, I'm, I'm from Ohio. And so my best friend uh, was a jazz saxophonist. Um, we, same age, we both went to high school together. And uh, he, I would sneak into the bars with him as long as I held a couple of the saxophones. He walked in with a couple saxophones. He'd go to play in Cleveland, so I'd get to go in there. And no one questioned how old I was. 
just because I came in with the band. Um, and I would sit in with them from time to time, but I wasn't that, um, I wasn't that confident in singing yet, but I did sit in um, and stuff like that. And I, and I did love it. I did love the expression. And then I moved to Maine um, and, and really just started studying music. I went to UMA, University of Music in Augusta, and I got my degree in jazz um, up there. Um, and, it, and I had, I actually, I met some of the people I still play with today. Some of the, some of my closest friends there are who I met at UMA way back then. Um, and uh, I have, I had an all right time at, at UMA. I, I can't, I don't, I don't wanna, I had a very good experience. I wouldn't be the musician I am today if I didn't go there. However, I don't think I fit into the category of musician that they needed me to be. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of times that I didn't, there was a lot of times that I needed to learn on my own what they didn't want to teach me. I, I got told a lot, um, you shouldn't be performing as well as going to school. In which I was like, ah, I don't know about that. And and there are some, now looking back at it, I can see that there were some things that I, I definitely could have learned better. Um, how to use my voice better. My voice, my voice, I, I wrecked it in my early 20s. Um, I would just scream. I was, I was I was so loud and I didn't like using my monitor, which as a singer, your monitor is your right hand, your right and your left hand and your right and your left foot. Like you need that monitor so you can hear. I can't, I can't compete with drums, but I didn't want to hear myself like that. Again, there's that insecurity, you know? There's that insecurity of like, oh, uh, you know, I didn't want to hear my own voice. That's weird, you know? Um, that's wild. I, I didn't want to hear my own voice. I knew I had this artistry that I wanted to push out, but hearing it myself, uh, I was like, ooh, okay. Uh, I don't really need a monitor. That wrecked my voice. Um, my voice would be way different now if I used the tools that they were trying to teach me then. However, if my voice, um, my voice sounds exactly how it's supposed to sound right now, you know, like, so it sounds as battered and tired and froggy sometimes as it's supposed to, it wouldn't have the personality that it does now if I didn't learn the lessons when I was supposed to learn them, you know? So like, I feel like my voice, I might've had way more of a range or, but really I just, I just went, um, I, I sang full balls out. I'm sorry. Uh, can I say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, all the time and without really caring for my voice. And I think that says a whole lot about my personality too. Like all of that is intertwined, you know, like I was just, you know, putting myself out without caring for myself first. I was putting my voice out without caring for my voice and realizing you know, the more I care for it, the longer it's going to take me. Do I regret it? Again, no, because I love my voice now. Um, but it wouldn't have sounded this way if I would have learned differently then. So um, so I played a lot in Hollowell and stuff like that. I, I say, even though I was, uh, I grew up in Ohio, even though I was born in Ohio, I say I grew up in Hollowell. Um, because that's really when I was an adult and, and, and um, learning life lessons on my own and paying bills on my own and working on my own and going to school and having a couple of different jobs while doing that. I've always been a workaholic. So I always have too much on my plate, always. <laughs> and uh, uh, Hollowell, I think is a beautiful, amazing town and it is my favorite place to play. Um, the people there have an energy that they always want music and they always want to shut up and listen to what you want to say. As a musician, I don't think you can ask for 
too much better of a crowd because they they want to hear you. They want to they want to laugh at your joke even if it's terrible. They want to they want to root you on. And so many people did in Hollowell. So I I will always have a super um, soft spot for Hollowell, you know, in my musical journey. And then I moved down to Portland because I wanted to play in Portland, but uh, you really can't play in Portland if you don't live here. And I feel like that's most big cities, um, bigger cities when you want to transplant into a new spot. Um, you really have to live there because there's so many times in your younger years as a musician that you end up playing for way less money. You end up playing for, you know, really whack conditions sometimes. and. So if you're there, if I, if I live right up the street from a place that I'm only getting 10 bucks from, it makes it more worth it. And that's one of those things that you deal with as a musician. You're like, okay, I have to take less money, but there's this um, level of exposure you have to do. Um, and there, there's the balance of it. And you hear musicians argue about that all the time. Money, exposure, money, exposure. Um, there are people who exploit you for, for your, what, because they know you want that exposure. Um, you just have to know when it's time to level up and say, oh, you got to pay me, you know? So there's just this, you know, it's an internship almost, you know, there's an internship of music that you have to do before you can say this, I've proven my worth. You just have to know right when it, when it flips over that you, you've proven your worth. You've paid your dues. You've paid, you've played the two people in the audience for eight years in a row now, <laughs> you know? So like, um, and, and so all that built and gains and, and maybe not everybody's experience is that that was definitely mine so then I moved down to Portland and just started playing here and running into people that I used to play with meeting new people that I've played with um just really putting myself out there and putting myself out there uh, again goes back to Hollowell where there were just musicians there who were really ready to help me elevate um I would say I don't really know what key it's in and they say, sing a little bit. And then I would sing and they helped me with a key. They really helped me cut my teeth on playing live. So that when I came down here, it was really easy for me to step in and say, hey, I wanna do this, that, and the other. And um, and and be able to just step in wherever. And I, I got in with musicians down here who really helped me learn how to be a band leader. So uh, as a musician, I think that's one of my, one of my better strengths is actually being a band leader um, because I can, you give me the right musicians, I, I can make a whole night happen. You know, like uh, they're, they're the right ingredients. And, and I, I, I can, I'm, I'm good at being able to say, here's where we're at, here's where we're going. Let me drive, just watch me. I say it all the time, just watch me. You know, like, well, I'll get us there. And uh, so, but it was, it was playing with musicians who really didn't let me, um, there's, <sighs> I don't know how to say that. Uh, there's sometimes people will let singers slide on some things, you know, and um, if you let the singer slide, you won't make that singer the dopest musician they can be. So like, and all of us singers want to be the dopest musicians we can be. So like, let us play with everybody else, you know? Um, and so because I played with people who didn't let me slide on things, they'd call it, nope, I think that was wrong. Oh, man, it's embarrassing, but it really like, you know, I didn't, I didn't come incorrect again. You know, I, I made sure that I kept up with everyone. Um, and so from there, I just kept playing. I, I've only put out one album, but I have um, so many originals that just weren't recorded. And I think maybe recording isn't 
that important to me. I love playing music. Um, I love playing music and where I'm at now, musically. So now that you had all those years of that, um, I have these originals that I have that weren't really recorded down. There's some that I'm like, oh, I kind of remember that one, but I never recorded it down. Um, and where I'm at now is that um, I sure do love playing music, but I hate everything about the music business except playing music. Like that's all I'm trying to do is play music. It's all I want to do is, is really honor my artistry. I'm no, I'm no good at selling myself. I'm no good at getting on the internet and saying, hey, look at me. And I'm, I say that to no slight of anyone else. Everybody has their place. It's just not, that's just not mine. And it's hard for me to do that. It's hard for me, like after shows, I would uh, beeline it to the back of the stage or I would go in wherever I could hide from everyone in the crowd. <laughs> I don't know. I just never been okay with like, talking to a whole lot of people. It doesn't seem like it when I'm on stage, but like, I, it's, that's really hard for me. So um, that part of being in the music industry, you know, after shows and stuff like that, it's just never, I've never been able to be okay with it. Um, so I realize that's not, that's not me. It's hard for me to do that. I don't think that I'm a musician who, maybe in my younger years, I would want to travel all the time. I don't, I don't think that's me anymore. Um, because I really love my family. So I'm like, I don't want, I don't want to be gone that long to tell you the truth. Um, I, I miss my boys when I'm gone. And uh, so where I'm at now is that I, I love being an artist and I, I love singing and, and speaking my spirit as it's right. And I don't, I don't ever want to have to sell my spirit for that. I don't, I don't ever want to have to compromise what it is that I need to say on stage because I feel like as someone my privilege is that when I hold a microphone people will listen to what I say so if I'm wasting those minutes not saying the right things I've definitely like wasted my privilege so like that doesn't put me on stage with a whole lot of other that doesn't put me on stage with a whole lot of situations where people are like, girl, what you talking about? <laughs> you know, like, I, I, I always want to be able to, to speak that truth and uh, I'm okay with that. And I, I, uh, I'll never not be a musician, but as far as the music industry goes, I don't, I don't necessarily need to, I never want to, I, I never want to sell something so precious, such a precious gift. Like, I hope you're there in the room when I when I do that, but I don't I don't think I need to I don't think I want to sell it as a product or a package. Sounds like you're selling it as an experience. I hope so because it's, it's my experience, you know. Like I, I hope I hope it's experience or something that someone needs to hear. Like I, I feel like I have to say the things that I need to hear in the last few. The last couple of years, I try to remember um, at every show, um, and I'll, I'll say it now because anytime I'm speaking, I, I need to say it. We are not promised tomorrow, and you have to say I love you to the people you love. So, like, I always tell people, take out your phones and just text somebody and say I love you, like just out of the blue for no reason. Like, a, it makes you feel so good, and it makes the person who received that text feel so good, and, and it's it's just reciprocal and. If you, if you've always told the people that you love, that you love them, you'll never regret if they're not there. You didn't, you won't be like, oh man, I didn't get to say this. Always say what you got to say. Um, so like, 
it's things like that that sometimes you just need to keep reminding people of those messages. I can sing a song about dancing, but you'll remember to dance. <laughs> Let me tell you about something that's really important to us, you know? Um, and, and those are the things I really think I need to be doing with a microphone. I saw you perform in South Portland. Uh, it was at the Juneteenth celebration. Um, it sounds like you probably were really putting yourself, your soul out there on the stage. I feel like now hearing you talk about what you're trying to do when you're on the stage. Um, so that was an awesome performance. Uh, yeah. You and Kamfari, uh, just magic synergy when you get together. Yeah. Uh, Kafari, he is my favorite person to make music with. Um, what, how blessed am I to have been able to find someone to make music with who who really gets me? So there's a lot of times you play with music, you play with other musicians all the time, and you do you fit in, you fit in with with you know with people all the time when you're playing. But uh, and and all musicians have this. They go, I really like that bass player, or I love that drummer. I couldn't do without that drummer. And, and uh, Kafari and I, we both have the same birthday. We were both born in Ohio. Um, and I see he's younger than me. I, I feel maybe by 10 years, I believe it is. But somewhere in there. Uh, I see so much. Uh, I see so much of how I see the world in how he sees it. I feel like we have all the same ingredients, but we're baked in different containers. You know what I'm saying? Just like baked in a different order. And like, uh, so it's really fun to play with them because I always know where he's going and he always knows where I'm going. And he always gives me these pieces to play with that I, I might not have heard myself. So it's always fun to, to play with that kind of energy and to just to share like that on stage. So I've, I've had, he's, he's got, he's, um, really helped me learn a lot of things about myself as a musician. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you had mentioned that you have a hard time talking to basically your fans after a show. Um, and I read in, I think, Beer and Weed magazine how you've been finding strands to make that easier and have less dry mouth as well. Can you, <laughs> can you expand on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say some strains, uh, just like uh, anybody, uh, you some people smoke certain strains that give them high anxiety. Um, and so it's always a, 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 a dance of finding a strain that doesn't make you feel like you are failing at life. <laughs> like I don't, you know, there's just these people will take it and you feel this anxiety thing and you're like, I'm sure someone is looking at me right now. Uh, I am sure that my pants are not fully on. I am sure that I failed yesterday. I probably shouldn't drop my car. You shouldn't, you shouldn't partake in that cannabis if that's what it's doing to you. Um, and we forget that cannabis is a medicine. When you have a headache, um, you don't just take the aspirin bottle and take 82 aspirins. You take the right dosage. And we forget that cannabis is quite a medicine. So if you've taken way too much, it doesn't make you feel good. Um, and they don't tell us this. You know, they don't tell us that um, the strand that you are partaking in um, has a super high THC level and you may feel a little weird after this, you know? So you would take way less, you know? 
so there's that and and dry mouth is a thing and um as a singer <laughs> it's, it's hard to to have dry mouth <laughs> standing up there like that um and i use i also i used to drink a lot more on stage um and i don't i don't drink anymore um i feel like that actually went to i i did that as a coping mechanism of having to deal with people after after the show um but using cannabis and actually in, in that i was saying i i also like microdosing psilocybin mushrooms um these are all things that are naturally there for us and um are being prescribed for anxiety and are being prescribed for these um these mental uncomfortable places that we all have to deal with um psilocybin is being prescribed for addiction and there's so much more testing that's coming down as well as with cannabis like these things these are for real medicines that um because the super long history of cannabis is it, it was only out it was only outlawed because the right people couldn't make money from it um and it was it became um what do they call it a, a, a substance one drug or uh, the the drug that is you know federally illegal and they did that because the right people couldn't make money from it and then when the right people couldn't make money from it they also took the right or wrong people and used that against them to put them all in jail so like there are so many black and brown people in jail right now for cannabis usage while there are some people on the outside of jail who have a full ass business with it make that make sense to me and so like it's it doesn't you know and so um I'm sorry I'm all over the place <laughs> so um you it can be used as a medicine and it can be used to, to to quell our anxieties and it can be made easier to talk to people um for people like me who find it hard to talk to people i only i only play a really secure person on stage but off stage i'm like oh okay thank you let me run somewhere else i'm going to go hide in the back of my car you know uh so well, I'm going to keep it 100 with you, Kenya. Uh, your voice is amazing on stage, so I don't know what you're Thanks. talking about, the raspy, whatever. I, I don't hear that. <laughs> I think it's gorgeous. Um, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for hanging out with us at ITP. Um, please, how can people reach you? What's the plug? You can reach me at uh, Kenya Hall on all platforms, um, Facebook or Instagram, Kenya Hall. Um, I there's kenyahall.com. Um, you can try to reach me on social media, but I am a hater of social media and I might not see it right away, but I will see it eventually. Um, I, uh, that's where you can catch me. Uh, there is a show coming up um, on, on Martin Luther King's birthday. Um, and it is Kafari and I, and we're playing at Bates um, for a short period. And then there'll be a panel about um, being a black artist here in Maine. Um, so I am looking forward to that. And it's it's the first show inside and it will be the first show in a little while too. Past that, I don't have any public gigs booked for a while. Um, the cannabis business has you know, tied up a whole lot of my time um, and it won't be that way forever, but I'm trying to earn my leisure here so that I can play whenever I want to play, you know? Awesome. And the cannabis business, it's Aquarius something. The aquarium flower company Beautiful and uh, i'm still working on all, all the licensing and the building out of it which is a lot um 
kind of going back to who can and who cannot have this business, the cannabis business was definitely designed for rich people to become rich off of it. So the people who have any type of talent in the business, it's really hard to get there because there's just so much money you need to have to do it. It takes so much money. It was made for rich people to get rich. And I'm here to break that. I'm, I'm here to teach anybody who wants to learn how to grow cannabis to grow it. Um, there are not enough black people in the space. There are not enough black and brown women in the space. There's not women in the space. Like anybody who wants to learn that, I am here because it's not a secret and we should all be profiting from something su such an amazing medicine that is, that is been turned has been e turned evil and it's not you know um we all need to be we all need to be partaking in this it's it's um broken a whole lot of families up for people going to jail for it so we should we should also be a part of this and and that's maybe one day we'll talk about that too but uh i i i really want to bring bring other people of color in the space heavily so that is that is definitely a part of this for me Simply put, In the Pocket is a talk show on Thursdays from 7 to 7.30 p.m. on WMPG. And it's a talk show that just features BIPOC Mainers in conversation. BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, People of Color. Having conversation. If you like what you've heard and want to hear it again, or want to check out our archive of past shows, look for us at inthepocket.captivate.fm or search In The Pocket on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at In The Pocket and give us a follow so you never miss a show. The For Us, By Us Fund which supports Black, Brown, Indigenous, and people of color living their best life in Maine. 